0: Welcome to this week's Send in the Troops, We've Found a Vapor (laughs) edition of Spin Cycle.
1: I do wonder, just before we move on, whether sometimes you're. I, I, I love, obviously, your, your themes per week. I do wonder if someone who's not as poisoned by the media cycle as you or I, um, tuning in goes, What the hell are they talking about? But well, we are
0: going to talk about this, but we are the going to story. Explain. Yes, yes. I mean, that's. I have. At first, they were all incredibly esoteric, and then I did realize that it pays to actually link them to a story that we're <laughs> going to talk about. So I am at least doing that these yeah. days, Charlie. We will, we will, all will be explained soon. Uh, But of course, we are coming to you from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, always was, always will be, and you can pay the rent. Uh, I think it's .org, .au, and you should do so monthly if you live on stolen lands. I am Jess Lilly, and uh, of course, I'm joined by the ever wonderful, crikey reporter, Charlie Lewis. How are you, Charlie?
1: Oh, and better after that very generous introduction.
0: Thank you, Jess. <laughs> Najma, not with us again this week, but we'll definitely be back next week. Um, and thank you to our to everyone who's listening. We're going to be joined by investigative journalist Tom Ravlich about his new book, or to talk about his new book, about Crown Casino and how they have seemed to uh, avoid public scrutiny among many other things. I think as well you know, the enormity of an organisation like that and how kind of slimmed down news organisations are. I mean, how do you even tackle yeah, it? Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and obviously the, um, you know, the, the issues of, of things like state capture. If you look at a state like Tasmania, the gaming uh, industry has almost sewn up the political system there where they cannot be touched. Anyone who campaigns on any kind of gaming reform in Tasmania gets hit by... Uh, an advertising blitz that, that just knocks them out of the water. Um, so there's, there's, I mean, we, there are so many ways we can go into this. There's so many scandals, so much about whistleblowers. It's going to be a great chat, I'm sure.
0: And I'm sorry, Charlie, I um, was wondering why I was hearing you. It's sort of slightly, you were definitely there, but as though from a but, from. The, <laughs> and I realize i I've got two microphones pointing in your face. Right, and right. I had,
1: you're giving me the kind of like <laughs> the stereo treatment. This is,
0: <laughs> and I had the wrong one on, but we're, but we're in the room now, so okay. we're all good. <laughs> um, but first, let's talk about other media stories this week I, I flew up to um, Sydney so uh, for work And so I've been a little bit less online than normal I feel I'm slightly uneducated about what's been going on in the news And, and all the healthier for it <laughs> But, you know, definitely was uh, more like in the news than Not I wasn't actually in the news But, you know, experiencing airport delays and all of that sort of thing um, but there was one headline that um, caught my eye, um, and I want to hear more from you, Charlie. Not simply content with being a bona fide colony, we are now becoming a parody of ourselves, it seems. <laughs> yes. Who are we sending the troops in
1: on now? Well, it's a, it's a really funny one, this. This is one this is one my favorite little media uh, moments of the week because, as you say, it, do, it does border on self parody. Um, so Sunrise ran a segment um yesterday i believe it was and they 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 tweeted it out and and the way that they described it was there have been calls for army veterans to be recruited to help stamp out out of control vaping in Queensland schools. I mean, there
0: have been calls that elusive well, headline.
1: Well, exactly, and I think there is, you know, when um, when you hear there have been calls, and then you hear that something insane is being called for, you know, alarm bells slightly start ringing, and you go, well, this must be a beat up of some sort. They may they may have culled some kind of a random Twitter feed or Facebook comment and gone. People are now calling for this policy measure, or maybe you know the host gets a little bit overexcited and, and suggests this crazy thing, and the, the guest says, well, maybe we could put that on the table if things will. Think about. Um, so I, I assumed that's kind of what it was, or like a vox pop or something.
0: Mm.
1: I'd kind of assumed that, that 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 Sunrise was doing a little bit of a beat up there. Mm. They were just um,
0: looking for something sensational. Yeah, um, Hence, uh, there have been calls.
1: I, 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 I'm I'm sorry to say. I well, I'm not sorry to say. I, I owe Sunrise an apology. I had misjudged them. They were not doing a beat up in this case. Um, this is no. they they had interviewed. Um, Teachers Professional Association of Queensland Secretary, Tracy Tully, uh, who is, you know, someone who is within their rights to comment on issues affecting teachers and schools in Queensland. Mm. Um, and it's more or less the first thing that she goes for. Um, they, they're asking, they, they say, you know, so there's, there's some really you know damning statistics about how many kids are... Uh, uh, Honking on robo cigarettes and um, <laughs> using—that's uh, my—that's my—that's my term for, for vapes, robo darts. Oh my um, god!
0: You should write the next government uh, milkshake yeah, ad. Yeah, I, I definitely have a real <laughs> insight Jesus.
1: into how kids' talk. But anyway, um, they sort of—they you know, David Koch. Um, Cites these damning statistics about how many high school kids are, are smoking through vapes or e-cigarettes, uh, and that it's kind of out of control in Queensland schools. You know what can be done? By the uh, way,
0: always question the statistics on Sunday. That, that is
1: true. Too. That is very true. We, you know, um, I, I have not properly researched those claims. That that might it may not be as out of control as they're saying. Um, but regardless, uh, the, he says, you know, so what do we need to crack down harder? Do we need more bag searches? Do we need more like surveillance? You know, sh- troubling things in and of themselves. And she says, uh, Tracy um, says, no, that doesn't go far enough. We're, it's too out of control now. There are army veterans in our community who are really ready, willing and able to work on this situation and be trained and brought into what? schools. The thing about it is, so there's, there's so a I few things. Even,
0: I can't I just, even, there's just like a complete breakdown in my <laughs> mind here.
1: There's, there's so many things about this that are crazy. One, I read the headline, prepared myself to feel a bit smug and go, they're, they're, they're verbaling here, this is not really what happened, and then be like, oh, no, it's, it's literally the central plank of her policy proposal. Tracy! The, o- the other thing that
0: really blew me away, they don't spend any further time... She was time, a teacher, wasn't she?
1: Possibly. And if she <laughs> She's despises been... children, then I have no problem with that. <laughs> she
0: has experienced some things in a school and is now seeking revenge. Yeah, yeah. And I think
1: it's... Um, yeah, the, 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 there's a few things that are crazy. Obviously, there's the idea that it's like, wh- what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, you, and it's not just that it's not sending the army in; it's sending like war veterans, oh guys with like um, thousand-yard stares, who've seen too much, who are ready to sort out the problem of kids smoking. Which I mean,
0: this is the state that suggested seventeen. Uh, 17-year-olds should be recruited to the police force. Right, yeah. And we've, yeah, yeah. we've yeah. seen mm. recently, um, I, sh- I wish I'd mentioned it last week when we were talking blow- uh, whistleblowing, mm. but recently with a very amazing whistleblower in the Queensland Police Force, we've oh, seen the yeah. state of the culture of that police force and the the broad eyed idea is to send seventeen year olds in.
1: Mm, but but no, this is this is fine. This is this is not uh, going to worry about any like institutional problems because they're all freelancers <gasps> who've been to war. No
0: accountability. Uh, yeah yeah. So um, we've got some PTSD war veterans <laughs> monitoring sure they... vapes in high schools in Queensland. What could go wrong? Well, but and the, not accountable to anyone.
1: Well, I, I assume that they would be accountable to the education system if 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 this went ahead. I, but the thing about it is, all these questions are kind of moot because you assume
0: we, that Charlie. But yeah. Manus Island, uh, you know, there's many, many examples of oh, uh, outsourced islands. For sure, for sure. I mean, let's... let's never um, accountable.
1: Let's... The thing about it is I don't know how how credible or likely to happen this actually is. Um, I, I suspect probably I doubt, not at all that yeah, exactly. likely. But again, what blew my mind about this is that David Koch goes, oh, well, that's thinking outside the box, and then moves on. <laughs> He doesn't ask a a single follow up question about what she intends this system to look like. (laughs) Which uh, I would have some follow up questions. I mean,
0: I think he probably had someone in his ear going, David, don't move on. Yeah, let's move on. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I've. I just thought, where do we even go from there?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose we could talk about, you know, speaking of, of Sunrise and Crimes Against Journalism, which is not what we're <laughs> really doing, but um, uh, one of their old favourites, Pauline Hansen, has obviously uh, gotten herself back in the news this week. And, and actually, I think, you know, <sighs> I, 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 I hear your sigh and I suspect that you may be a giving voice to a lot of our listeners who just do not want to hear about no, her anymore. I
0: sort of think, I mean, this is one of the real um, Achilles heels of our um kind of accepted discourse in this country is that if if someone flashes their bigoted ass you have to report on it it's like yeah. no no i mean the fact that that's all she had Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, let's let's establish what we're talking
1: about. So, um, for for those of you who who again are are less poisoned by the (laughs) day-to-day movements of media and politics than than the people in this room, uh, Senator Pauline Hanson, who was very narrowly returned to to parliament um, in the last election, um, made a bit of a song and dance during the um, welcome to country that new president Sue Lines did on the first day of the new uh, Senate. Uh, there is, enormously
0: disrespectful.
1: Oh, uh, enormously. She she stormed out uh, with re- trailing references to those people and 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 all this kind of stuff. Um, the the kind of I guess the bind that that puts the media in is this is very clearly um, nothing but a stunt, and it's a, it's a hollow one too. She has. Uh, we were talking about this before we we came on air. She has sat through hundreds, probably, of welcomes to country. And, and, this and has
0: been opening the Senate every uh, day since she was a senator. So mm. either she hasn't been going <laughs> yeah, yeah, or she's happily sat through it. I mean, we know did she, she at
1: least showed up to, to wear a burqa to make a point that no oh, one yeah, quite that work was, out. Yeah, exactly. uh, she definitely is has been turning up um, and <laughs> to, to deny that it's her birthday and then claim that it is. Um, <laughs> th- this is, as you say, it's, it's, it's an empty and hollow stunt and it's only done so that... We will even in condemning her be discussing her and her views, and of course, other media organisations put this up. They they ask, they put polls out, being like, "Do we agree with her stance mm, that's on this stupid. stuff?" Um, and Just I think
0: a waste of time. I
1: energy. sort of think it's worth drawing a bit of a line and saying. And, and so, so we we were discussing this in the the cracky editorial meetings during the week about like this is a big story. Should we cover it or should we not? And we decided not to. Mm. We thought, well, there's, there's actually. We're not. One, instead, you're
0: bringing it here, Charlie. Thanks instead, very I'm bringing. Much.
1: It, but I think. It, but I think this is. We 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 have the get out jail free card where it's like, well, we have to discuss these matters. It's the <laughs> yeah, media. True. It happened in the media. But I do genuinely yeah. think this might actually be a good point to be like we can say we're never going to discuss any of her stunts ever again, no matter how much media coverage they ever get, because all it does is feed the cycle of outrage. And we've very mercifully lost a lot of the people who who operate in that economy. So George Christensen, Craig Kelly, they operate in this kind of outrage economy. That's all they have. They're not in Parliament anymore. She still is, so she has to kind of grasp at these things. As as you say, it's a bit of a sign of desperation. There is
0: only one sort of, um, you know, kind of... Thought alongside that though is that what she is doing is you know bigoted and it's an act of you know um, racial intolerance mm-hmm. and if you don't say anything, yeah, you, it is possibly mm-hmm. um, you know like um, everyone says that um, saying nothing is is allowing what's the you know, my my brain is tired. Oh,
1: like. sort of like the sunlight is the best disinfectant. The well, way best, way and to, yeah. you
0: know, if if you allow something to to continue unchallenged, then in theory, you're you know, um, Indo- not, tacitly endorsing, tacitly it. endorsing, or at, so least, it, or at least tolerating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does yeah. put you in a slight bind, but it doesn't need the full. You know, like no one needs to play back the video and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, you mm-hmm. know, I was grateful that, you know, I haven't sort of really followed this story up at all. As soon as I saw it, I just personally, I just am like, I'm nah, not interested. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste any oxygen. don't really want to know. But I did see a lot of people, a lot of journalists sort of commenting on the, f- very quickly establishing that, you know, she's sat through a welcome yeah, to she's country not taking in a stand so here. many yeah. Um, so many Senate kind of um, sittings that this is a ridiculous kind of stuff. Anyway, let's move on from her. Um, we are now done with Pauline Hanson. We are now done yeah. forever. Um, so uh, the, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, and I hope this works, um, you know, in it kind of heart-sink a little bit when you hear... Jim Chalmers invoking the whole, it's got to get worse before it gets better on the issue of inflation, which, you know, means there are, you know, no pay rises and no, everyone has to tighten their belt and we're going to have all these austerity conversations and, you know, and perhaps unsurprisingly, almost immediately, CEOs fall in line behind that and it's kind of galling when you see things like, you know, at the same time, there's an Australia Institute report that... um, Rising corporate profits, which ha- has been a thing, oh, absolutely, <laughs> all through COVID, yeah, yeah, and it's before, um, it's just they are relentlessly rising. I, and you know what the Australian Institute report said that um, that's a major factor in causing inflation. You know, and that's yeah, not the thing yeah. that gets addressed.
1: No, no, I think I mean I'll I'll, I'll say this while you're queuing up this this uh, this clip. I mean, that, I remember speaking to a. A um an academic called Mark Dean saying that this was the first uh that the COVID was the first recession that during which profits went up. Yeah. Uh and that's kind of de- that sums up a great deal and of then, it. And it. And, and it's then it, of course subsidized by governments to the tune of tens of millions of dollars for various things that they didn't necessarily qualify for.
0: But also profits are a beast. If they go up, they have to keep going up. You know, this is mm. the shareholder demand. Mm. Anything once they've started going up, anything that you know, goes anything that retracts is a loss, you know, which is it's such a false economy. And I am going to play the script but I I want to say that my favourite TV appearance schooling people on this correlation is from a guy called Eddie Dempsey who I don't know a lot about. Uh, He's a rail, maritime and transport union rep and this is from the Jeremy Kyle show. Oh, God. No, Jeremy Vine.
1: Oh, Jeremy Vine, okay. Yeah, that's slightly Jeremy Kyle is... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> in the UK. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to have to try and make sure that... I oh, and one of the things we should prime
1: is that the other voice in this is former politician Anne Whittacombe.
0: Yes, well, I've tried to cut her out. OK. I, th- this goes for a lot longer, but so I've only got the last 10 seconds. Hang so let's see if this works.
2: For 30 years in this country, wages have not kept up with inflation. At the same time, profits have really not exceeded inflation. You tell me There how has been a have- transfer of wealth from working-class people to people at the top, and that can't carry on. That has got to change.
1: Yeah. You- yeah, pretty terse. Yeah, doesn't leave much out. He also does make the point earlier in that interview that yes, um, the, the the apparently astronomical pay rise that they were they were pushing for actually represented a pay cut because of inflation and the way that that was trending.
0: But also on this show, they tried to sort of say, you know, you selfish rail workers, because there's a mm-hmm. this is in response to the fact that there's a lot of striking happening in the UK rail strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nurses don't get this, and he's straight up going, "Well, they deserve more too." You know, <laughs> yeah,
1: that is not a this is not a. Uh, a zero-sum game. They exactly. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: my hope is that, that we don't follow down this line in this country where the focus of all of this sort of inflation, mm-hmm. pre-recession conversation is just at the wrong end of where the yeah, problem yeah. is, you know? It's,
1: uh, yes, a robust capitalism for the lower classes and socialism for the higher classes as, as the old formulation goes. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online,
2: on demand, podcasts, and via the app.
1: Uh, Crown Casinos has become a magnet for scandal in recent years. In fact, a detailed rundown of all those scandals would occupy more time than we have available for this show. But most recently, it managed to just hold on to its Victorian licence despite a scathing Royal Commission report that found it was unfit to run its flagship casino in Melbourne due to a litany of illegal, dishonest, unethical and exploitative conduct. Many of these coming in full view of a regulator that was asleep at the wheel. Uh, Looking at how things got so bad is a new book by Tom Ravlik, Crown Playing in the Shadows, which looks at the, as the, the blurb puts it, the dark reality behind, of what really happened behind the bright lights and sounds of the casino floor. Uh, Tom is an author of several books and a journalist who has written extensively on legal affairs, business, politics, uh, national security over a year that spanned over 25 years. Uh, he's a regular contributor to The Mandarin, and we're very pleased to welcome him here today. Tom,
2: thank you for joining us. Charlie, Jason, thank you for having me this evening. Not at
1: all. Um, so I mean as we, we spoke before before the show about the, the, the various ways in which we could approach this. but let's just start with um, early in your book you sketch out the various reports that are starting back in 1999 of various government departments looking at all the issues, uh, societal, legal and things like that emanating from gambling in Australia. And the sense is, as you read through, that each time things get a little bit worse and a little bit worse and the conduct gets a little bit more egregious. And i, I just wanted sort of like to get your thoughts on, on how this has been allowed to happen. I mean, how do businesses like Crown um, evade the kind of scrutiny that might stop this stuff before it happens?
2: Well, one of the things you need to remember, and in the context of gaming and gambling, uh, where we need to begin this conversation, is that... Um, gaming and gambling is the sort of sector that attracts you know, organised crime and uh, look unsavoury types mm-hmm. in the same way that a lamington attracts flies <laughs> in, the, in your grandmother's backyard on a summer and on a summer afternoon. So the first thing you're dealing with is the business of gambling over a great many years was a cash-based business, and it attracted people who wanted to launder funds. Mm-hmm. Now. It that's been the case in the United States. It's been the case all over the place. And people need to keep that in mind when they're looking at the nature of what the gaming and gambling business is all about. Now, in, what I did, I wanted to give people a sense of how the gambling sector shaped up uh, from the very first report back in the late 90s. And then moved towards, you know, the the saga with Crown that's been unfolding over the past two or three years. Mm-hmm. So what people began to sense or understood was, yes, there were some social benefits that people say gambling and gaming uh, and then the sort of attendance at a casino might give. But there's also other the other side, the darker side, which is the, the addiction, the, the involvement of organised crime, the money laundering, the... The facilitation of you know foreigners coming into this country and their money coming into this country to be splurged on the casino gaming floor
1: we could and definitely we can we can get into some of the the examples of some of those slightly darker sides i mean I suppose let's go into i mean obviously the spin cycle is a show that primarily deals with the media and how that facilitates or 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 fails to facilitate you know a more open and just society i mean let's talk a little bit about the role in the media. Of bringing some of these issues in the last couple of years that we talked about, the the role that the media played in bringing that to light, and also in terms of, uh, say, allowing whistleblowers to kind of bring information to light. I mean, how do you feel that the media has done on, say, Crown Casino in Melbourne? Have they been proactive enough? Have they been a little bit too um, I guess taken up by the size of the joint? I mean, yeah, talk us through your views on that.
2: Okay. Now, let's first deal with the issue of, you know, a big business like a like a crown. If somebody's covering uh, the business round, uh, and they're reporting on crown's developments, profits, losses, and everything else, uh, obviously while the entity was listed, listed on the stock exchange, they would be looking at the regular developments that were unfolding uh, via you know the you know, the the announcements from the company, liaison with the company, etc. Mm -hmm. Now, that in itself is fine, because what people are doing is reporting on what they believe to be fact. You know, the financial statements, uh, lodgements with the regulators, etc. When you get to the side of the whistleblowers, which is the other side of the equation, somebody contacts a journalist. Uh, A lot of this has been, of course, initiated by Nick McKenzie from... Yeah, the Sydney Morning Herald and the, the Age. Age. Yeah, he was
0: on earlier this week talking about this actually on um, Grapevine. Oh, interesting. To anyone <laughs> wants to listen back?
2: Yeah, the the thing that, that's really really interesting about the way this works is that the the material would be provided to the journalists that obviously need to do their own research and get be comfortable that they're hearing something that approximates but truth and fact. And then it begins. Now, there's something else that interesting that happens, Charlie, and that is the minute those stories hit, other news organisations will begin to seek out more facts from you know, either the company or from people mm. who are experts in the sector. So it starts. In modern language, uh, it starts to get viral. There is a mm. competitiveness in the media cycle. And an issue that might have been confined to the age in Sydney Morning Herald starts to spread. I actually
1: want to get into that a little bit because it's not just that it um, uh, sort of spreads between media organisations, although obviously that is a, a huge part of it, but obviously it yep. can lead to what we saw in the case of Crown, and, and it can actually, th- those whistleblowers who then went to the media can then become uh, kind of very important sources of evidence to, say, a Royal Commission and things like that. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about how that process works? Okay. Uh, now,
2: the, if we look, let's go back to the Banking Royal Commission because the best example of this, mm-hmm. In, in and that, in that people would be aware of and out in the list, listener land right now, is that of Jeff Morris, who used to work with the Commonwealth Bank, who knew the Commonwealth Bank's financial planning uh, practices inside out. He then was you know, seeking to communicate to people about what was going on. Uh, former Senator uh, John Wacker Williams told him to go and talk to Adele Ferguson, <laughs> And from that point on, the story began to develop. Now, what happened? What happened with uh, Jeff Morris was that he then moved into, he then became a valuable witness to the uh, to, to various parliamentary committees at the Commonwealth Parliament. And by doing so, he put a whole raft of you know, personal accounts of things that went on and practices that occurred in the Commonwealth Bank, in the financial planning side on the public record, given uh, protection by parliamentary privilege, mm-hmm. and that meant everybody was able to take, take that and run with it. And it's pretty significant. So it doesn't simply become a story that Adel Ferguson breaks, uh, then does a Four Corners program on, and then you know, during, after the Royal Commission writes a book called you know, Banking Bad. <laughs> it then becomes something that the entire community can access, I, the average punter going to look at evidence on a website, and those of us that are in the media are able to then, you know, jump on it and to write about it extensively. Now, I've used his evidence to the parliamentary committees across two books, uh, Vulture City, and uh, which came out in 2019, as well as Rorts and Ripoffs. I used a case study that he put on the public record. Uh, in, in a second book that came out in 2020.
1: We should we should yes make it very clear to our listeners that Tom is an extremely prolific author <laughs> on matters of corruption across across the sector.
0: Tom, um, hi, thank you for for coming on the show this evening. It's Jess here. Um, I have yep. a question. If we go back before, because it sounds like um, I, f- I find that really interesting. That if if one po- person sort of speaks up, then the dominoes fall, and then even if you know media might have heard stories and and they've heard different things or they know of they haven't quite been able to get the sort of the first hand account or the witness account but what i'm interested in and with especially with crown casino in melbourne is you know certainly everyone has heard a lot of stories, alleged (laughs) stories, um, how do they not make things like the crime round, you know, like if you think about sort of there are so many, if if a random, you know, act of violence happens in a street in Coburg, it gets reported on and yet we don't hear anything of that nature that would have, you know, that might have happened in say somewhere like Crown Casino, even though... uh, by the nature of those sort of ecosystems, certainly things must happen, and police must have to attend those organisations or casinos regularly. Why do those sorts of things not get reported on?
2: It's an interesting question to think about. Uh, I would, I suggest that people people in a casino might might have ways of handling things, handling things quietly. <laughs> uh,
0: it
2: may be it may be that jur- that journo's themselves don't. Hear about it because it isn't uh, communicated outside of, uh, of that ecosystem, or people don't necessarily talk to the media about it. I mean, there are things that we people talk about out on the street that won't necessarily get uh, get near a journalist here as well, right? Mm. I mean, so the- I mean, it may, it may have something to do with that. Then there might be, and then yeah, it, it it may also. Um, uh, depending on how close people are, there may there may also be issues of sort of media not uh, not touching it. But I don't have any evidence of that in the mm-hmm. case of Crown necessarily. But you can you can imagine that there are that there, from time to time there may be things that cross somebody's radar, but they're not they're not big enough uh, to to. Yeah, it is already it is, I mean, in, in, yeah. in the in the in the chain of work or the workflow that they've got at the present time. So I can imagine various things might play out, Jess. But I was hoping for something
0: far more conspiratorial, mm-hmm. conspiratorial Tom, but thank you. D- disappointingly, thank you. disappointingly sensible, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> thank you for a very logical explanation.
1: Uh, but actually, going I back try, to, I try to be logical,
2: and that's my flaw.
1: <laughs> I mean, actually, but going back to your your connection, I think I think there is actually a real insight in in the in the notion that one of the reasons that this doesn't get reported as much as maybe it, as you might think it, is that the participants themselves, those who have been maybe. For want of a better word, fleeced by the system, might be not the kind of people who actually have any interest in making that known to the yeah. the general public. You were telling me um, on a chat we were having earlier today, Tom, about your your favourite scandal, um, your favourite crown scandal. Do you want oh, well, well, to?
2: I've got a whole heap of them. If we if we look at,
0: uh... let's hit. Can you give us your greatest hits back to back? <laughs>
2: <laughs> greatest hits, back back to back. You know the, the, the classic hits. Here we go. <laughs> yes. The uh, well, there are now. You need to remember that in any sort of scam situation or a, or a situation with exploitation where someone feels that they're, they're they've been done, but they're embarrassed to admit it, which is a characteristic of people who are done in by, in romance scams and other things. Mm-hmm. They don't want to admit that something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. What you, what you find in, case, in, the, in the case of Crown is there was evidence given at the Royal Commission that hosts who looked after high-worth gamblers, that is, people who like throwing lots of money around, mm-hmm. were pretty good at their job, OK? They were pretty good at throwing what were freebies at these people so they'd keep coming back to the casino and continue to drop money on the table. Right. Now, in one case, which I thought was curious when I first heard about it, and then it became curious as I thought about it, was a chap had got a phone call from, from a host, or was contacted by a host, um, about free tickets to go and see Phil Collins. Right, <laughs> Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins is fine. <laughs> I love Phil Collins, but wait till wait, wait till you hear what happened next.
1: Well, the, the price that was extracted for those tickets, yeah.
2: But, but, well, I mean, just you know, what these guys at Crown did was they required the gamblers they were giving freebies to to front to the casino to pick the tickets up. So this was a case of somebody being offered free tickets to go and see an artist, go to the casino, pick the tickets up. Now, I don't know about you, but... Yeah, the, the chap, uh, the chap dropped thirty grand at a gaming table <laughs>
0: for his Phil Collins I don't think Phil Collins is worth
2: thirty grand, quite <laughs> yeah. frankly.
1: Against all odds uh, is a great tune, but you know, <laughs> but there has to be a, some some scale here. I mean, actually, st- while we're on the sort of subject of these kinds of, of 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 scandals, I suppose, I mean, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, kind of broadly, is the idea of of, of of state capture, of the idea of of one of the reasons um, that, for example, at the end of this incredibly scathing report from from Ray Finkelstein in, in in Victoria, that that basically concluded that they were not fit to to run this joint, they still managed to hold on to their license. Um, you were telling me again earlier today uh, an incredible story about uh, a regulator in Western Australia and and where they chose to hold their their Christmas function. Could we could you explain that one to our listeners? <laughs>
2: Uh, yes, I can now. But, but bear in mind, it, uh, regulators in in everybody's expectation. I would suspect they want the regulators should be seen to be independent and be independent, okay? You know in order analysis. to do their job. Well, mm. Look, it's a basic assumption. It's it's a bit like the conversation we have about auditors doing the financial doing the financial statements of a listed company over, etc. So uh, no different, but. It, turns out that over in Western Australia, at a point in time, the people regulating the casino over there decided they would actually have their end of year function for staff at Crown Perth. <laughs> and you sit back I and just you think, hold on. That's a real... Hold on a second. This is... Yeah.
0: That's a pauper spit level kind of move.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it gets better. Um, then, they, then, then, and then a, a particular function the, the crown management came down to check out what was going on to see whether people were enjoying the hospitality. You shake <laughs> your head and you think, "How was this allowed to happen? How was a free bottle of uh, booze allowed to be, you know, taken uh, mm. at that point?" Now, that eventually stopped, of course. But the point being, you yeah. can't do that and then be an effective regulator. No, uh, God. I mean, again,
1: it's 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 not just uh, with all these things. It's not just the conflict of interest. It's the visi- visible, apparent, uh, the the image of a of a conflict of interest that you. Yeah. Well,
2: the the, the perception is what it, it, even if you could justify independence mm. of mind, mm. right? Yeah. The perception yeah. of conflict in that situation is one that is pretty, pretty sharp. I, and pretty well, you know, delineated uh, in in what was going on. There was even even an issue that uh, unfolded where a person in the regulatory capacity was going out fishing with his friends. Now, you think, well, what's wrong with going fishing with friends? The thing is, his mates were working for clown. Mm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the other things, I mean, so I guess we talked a lot about, like, the state of things and how that led us to where we are now. Uh, Tom, I just want to, I'm really interested, obviously we're seeing, just this month, we've seen yet more fines for Crown in Melbourne. Uh, we've seen investigations being launched into Sky City in South Australia. Uh, obviously there is ongoing, um, there's an ongoing look at Crown in Western Australia. Uh, at the, the drinking buddy is there. Uh, I mean, just as someone who sort of has you know thought as deeply about this and looked into it as much as you have, where, where to from here? What do you think the next kind of
0: Next year or so. Also in the context that Australians, are like adults per capita, are the biggest gamblers almost of anyone yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. That,
1: that's a very, very yeah, important point too.
2: Look, it, it, there are a range of issues that, that you know we could spend a lot of time unpacking here, but I think it comes down to, to a handful. In fact, it comes down to three fundamental things firstly if you legalize something you need to regulate it properly as an institution as a as a government amen
0: right? mm-hmm. yeah.
2: so if you if you legalize something it needs to be properly regulated you can't you, you, you the, the issue with not having you know, legalized gambling is that you can get all sorts of stuff happening uh, if, on the dark side of the street and whatever have you. But in this day and age, with online gambling and everything else, you really need to have it properly regulated. Now, that is at a regulatory government level. The second, pro- the second issue is companies internally. You need a, you need a healthier corporate culture in yeah. businesses that deal with this side of the entertainment spectrum or the entertainment continuum. The reason things went wrong at Crown was over a period of time, the culture a, 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 a culture of, of you know, internal integrity had clearly eroded. You know, James Packer wasn't told about a couple of the key scandals that unfolded. The bank accounts that were being shut by banks like the ANZ, Charlie, because of the fact that there were indicators of money laundering that were being brought up by the bank. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. Initial interviews with the Chinese uh, employees uh, who were being spoken to uh, by Chinese police, because they were flogging Crown product, were not reported up the chain to James Packer. I mean, that is just ridiculous. I don't care whether Packer was was cranky as his old man when (laughs) when he was told bad news. The fact is, the the integrity move is to tell the boss things have screwed up. Mm-hmm. People didn't do that, and as a result, things festered. Then the third issue, you know, we've sort of gone into from government to the entity, and then the third issue is we know that people who are addicted to different things need to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. There is a social justice element to this, and that is where you you need to provide people with a safety net so they can that they can they've got something to fall on, and that is where a lot of the research done by the various sort of gambling foundations the governments have set up, is designed to understand what the behavior is of people at these venues, why they go to these venues, how how, uh, society should be dealing with people who are are addicted to this kind of thing. So it's not a simple, this is not a simple endeavor, it's not a simple Mm -hmm. answer. Now, I mean, there's no there's no silver bullet, as we say. You, you've got to have the right thing happening at different levels, in order to get it in order to get it uh, get it right. As I, I've had several conversations with people over the years, and and used the, the analogy of a musical instrument, the string has got to be in terms of regulation. The string has got to be sufficiently taught. Not that not that it, entities are regulated to the point where they completely break. And not to the point where it's so sloppy that that it's uh, it fails to, it fails to produce a note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well,
1: Tom, thank you so much for your time. God, we could oh, we could have talked about this all night. There are so many different ways in which this uh, sort of this this scandal affects us, but we really do appreciate your insights. Um, and we'll let you go. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more corruption to talk about over the years. Um <laughs> oh,
2: most definitely, uh, Jess and Charlie. Thanks for uh, having me on. And. Um
1: Thanks to the listeners for listening. <laughs> Thanks
0: very much, Tom. Thanks. Triple R. I really appreciate, and please, people, do this liberally and if you feel the need, because um, if it's relevant, we shall thank you massively, <laughs> and if not, we shall choose to ignore. But uh, Leroy Lynch thankfully um, tweeted us after we were talking about uh, sending
1: the army into, yeah, uh, into the schools. Yeah, sending the army
0: in on Sunrise. And I feel like we've been... We fell for it. We I, fell yeah, for the I have the, to admit, we, that was a bit
1: of a derelic, dereliction of duty there. Uh, Leroy has very helpfully pointed out that, that, of course, the Teachers Professional Association of Queensland uh, are not um, an affiliated union for teachers. Uh, they have been linked to some, some slightly troubling... Um, Uh, issues and um, are getting free publicity from Channel 7, we have slightly fallen into that trap. Uh, We appreciate that feedback and we will uh, be more sceptical (laughs) of their their contributions in the future, absolutely.
0: Uh, Can I quote what Leroy called (laughs) them? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Yeah. As Leroy said, they're linked to the wingnut anti-vax red union. There you go. So people, of course, in this day and age will give... Us very official names and Sunrise, uh, you know, may choose to ignore that <laughs> because they've lost their Pauline Hansen, haven't they? Make a little auditory taste of the last <laughs> story. So Pete Evans announced his run for office in February. By the fall, he had sort of quietly pulled down his campaign website and a reporter called him to be like, hey, did you pull out of the race? And he sort of confirms that he has pulled out of the race. The story that runs about this has the headline, thank Evans for that. Oh, that's pretty good. (laughs) Really good. And it's on a website called Crikey. (laughs) Just to get it as Australian as possible. (laughs) So that's where we stand today. He's no longer running for office. Can He's no longer on TV. Okay. Please tell us more about that, Charlie.
1: I would. I would be happy to. So that <laughs> is uh, the uh, wonderful.
0: My favorite podcast. Yes. Um, you got way major points for me.
1: <laughs> a few people messaged me to say, you know, you, uh, that th- that's their favorite podcast, and, and now Cry has been mentioned in it, uh, and I and I took a great deal of glee, being like, you know what. That's me. <laughs> that's my that's my headline. Um, so that is the the um, the podcast uh, maintenance phase, which is a wonderful podcast from the US that, that goes into uh, kind of wellness scams and, and issues like that, and kind of breaks down. They've done a previous episode on Bell Gibson. Yeah, we talked about that. which we have spoken about. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and and I think there's um, there's always something kind of interesting and slightly cringeworthy about you know hearing other countries. Discover Australia's foibles and it's it's weird little cultural currents, and so they go into uh, over a two part episode. They go into the the uh, descent, I suppose, of Pete Evans from a very well regarded TV chef to someone. Who's sharing Nazi symbols on social media and and mm. and uh, claiming that you know the staring into the sun can can cure your COVID? I might be slightly c- <laughs> conflating a few different things. No, there. I
0: mean it's actually. Um, I, I mean the thing I really enjoy about this podcast is um, they they each take it in turns to do the most thorough research yeah. on a topic, yeah. so it's not just um, yakking for the sake of it, you know, for sure, for sure, <laughs> which yeah. a lot of podcasts are. <laughs> uh, and so, but the, what they do is one person does the research and so the other person is listening kind of fresh to the whole story and they did the Pete Evans story in two episodes because, of course, there are so many greatest hits, you know, like... Mm. We're talking now, you know, ninety minutes, (laughs) almost two hours of podcast, and it's just, you know, it is um, research. Like it's so well researched. There's like,
1: well, yeah, the first episode is almost entirely dedicated just to the history of the paleo diet, where that comes from and what informs it, and
0: and because he's, you know, once you've had paleo, you'll never go back. Was his famous (laughs) T-shirt. Children need broth, not breast milk. uh, Apparently. Um, But, yeah, the fact that within the first few minutes of the first episode the activated almonds thing came up, I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He really has a long... It's a story long, long to tell. history,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, this is all far too much about maintenance phase and not about the fact that they're, they're talking about me. <laughs>
0: well, I will get to that. But one point they do make, and I think they, one thing that this that they're very good at, especially when they talked about this and Belgisen, is evoking the media narrative around yes, it and yes. putting it in context of, you know, how did he get away with this for so long? Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, where was the media on this? And um, they are quite critical of the fact that, you know, not just in Australia but any media is so sort of um, beholden to celebrity and beholden to, you know, he had all these cookbooks and he had this, um, you know, range of kitchen items. Yeah, 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 yeah. and Mm -hmm. he was still on TV until quite late in his downfall. Um, But um, they did mention specifically um, a couple of... Media kind of moments. One was, and, and I guess it, it's interesting, as you said, hearing that U.S. perspective because you look at it through the lens of the way the Australian media operates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One was um, they na- they name checked the Guardian and were critical of the fact that in an in an um, article that they wrote about him when he was pretty far gone. Yeah, it yeah. was d- deep into. It was cons- when he
1: had shared the, the the black sun symbol, which is a which is a Nazi. Uh, oh no! This one, I think
0: it might have been just before that. But anyway, it he, maybe it was when he interviewed
1: David Dyke. That's right. Yeah, that's who, is right. A, who is a yeah. famous anti-Semite, and they they go out of their way to uh, say uh, the Guardian has no evidence to suggest that that Evans himself is an antisemite yeah. or a racist. And of course, the, the hosts of the show were very critical of that. Uh, are, 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 are appalled that um, a major publication would do that. And of course, they're coming from that from an American perspective where mm-hmm. it's almost impossible as we spoke about with Br- Michael Bradley a few weeks ago, it's almost impossible in the US t- as a public figure to sue for defamation. They don't realise what it, what, a, what an Australian mm-hmm. journalist has to go through to report these things. So I, I, you know, I rarely, uh, you know, my nemesis is The Guardian. No, they're great. They're great. I love The, I love the Guardian. But um, <laughs> Ooh, I, had to jump to their, I had to jump to their defence and say, that's not, that's not cowardice on their part or, or both sides of them. That's just them covering themselves in terms of defamation.
0: And the other one that was interesting was um, they sixty minutes. They played a lot of clips of Pete Evans because really, when in terms of um, they obviously delighted in <laughs> the way that he does absolutely drop himself in it at every, any and every turn. But um, they played a clip of him on sixty minutes, and this was definitely you know. He was in free fall at yeah, this point.
1: Yeah. And well, um, you sort of slightly start to worry about him.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you can just hear from the tone of his voice, and he was very talk- talking about sort of looking over his shoulder. Mm, and, mm. you know, there were no specific, he certainly didn't say he'd had death threats, but he was insinuating this stuff. And again, they were very critical of like, why would you platform? someone at Mm -hmm. this point because he's obviously in a world of deep conspiracy and very dangerous stuff and Mm -hmm. by platforming them you know you are just that in itself is massively problematic and this again is a very different approach from Australian media is like hey let them bury themselves you be the judge
1: and that's all for this week thanks for listening you can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform
0: and you can follow us on Twitter at Nadz at Lily Juice,
1: and at The Shuffle Diary.
0: You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via on-demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.